Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. You search the scriptures, you run into many descriptions of Jesus' face as white as light. Matthew chapter 17, you know the story. Jesus is transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his garments became as white as light. Revelation chapter 1 verse 16. And in his right hand. He held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And note, his face was like the sun shining in its strength. His face was like the sun. And notice his feet. Again in verse 1, like pillars of fire. And again in Revelation chapter 1, verse 15. And his feet were like burnished bronze or brass when it had been caused to glow in the furnace. And then notice a voice like a lion's roar. Notice that in verse 3. Jeremiah 25 verse 30 tells us, The Lord will roar from on high and utter his voice from his holy habitation. He will roar mightily against his fold. Over and over and over again in the Old Testament, we are told that the Lord will roar. Joel chapter 3, verse 16, and the Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth will tremble. Of course, who can forget Revelation chapter 5, do not weep, John is told, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. Over and over again in the scriptures. So those who believe, those scholars who believe that this angel is Jesus Christ, they have good scriptural basis for believing that. Now, the case for why this is not Jesus Christ and just an angel and and an angel. Here's the case. Notice again in verse one. Very interesting. Notice John says in verse one, and I saw still another mighty angel. You see that in verse one. Now the word another in the Greek language, write this down, is alos, A-L-L-O-S. And it's very important because it means another of the same kind. Another of the same kind. John seems to be saying the angel is similar to the other strong angels we saw earlier in Revelation. Another of the same kind. Notice John says he saw an angel. Again, if this was Jesus Christ, question, very good question, then why didn't John recognize him? Why didn't John recognize him? Interesting. John spent a lot of time with Jesus. John loved Jesus and Jesus loved John. 
John spent a lot of time with Jesus. John was the same one, Matthew 17. We just talked about it. He was there when Jesus was transfigured and his face shone like the sun. John was there. John in Revelation chapter 1 got the revelation and he saw Jesus as the Lamb of God who had been slain. So, if this is Christ, then why would John describe him as another strong angel? Interesting. Also, I want you to notice, I think probably the strongest point of this argument, the strongest point, notice his feet on the sea and land. Did you see that in verse 2? His feet is on the sea and his, his right foot actually is on the sea and his left foot is on the land. If this is Jesus, listen, if this is Jesus, then his feet are in the wrong place. What do you mean, Rodney? Remember, I told you, chapter 10 is parenthetical. It's a divine intermission. John is probably so overwhelmed seeing demons and earthquakes and cataclysmic events and people are dying and people want to die and can't die. He's so overwhelmed. God says, I'll give you a break. Chapter 10. Now, chapter 10, as I told you, should be moved to the end, to the second coming of Jesus. Now, we know that when Jesus comes back in his second coming, he is not putting his foot on the sea and on the land. The Bible tells us, according to Zechariah chapter 14, verses 3 through 4, then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand where? On the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east. Very beautiful place, by the way. And the Mount of Olives will be split in its middle from east to west by a very large valley so that half of the mountains will move toward the north and the other half toward the south. If this is Christ, then he is standing in the wrong place. Very good point. Notice also the lifting up of hands. You've got to fast forward to verse 5. You want to see that. The lifting up of hands and swearing. Now, this sounds exactly like, if you're taking notes, Daniel chapter 12, verses 5 through 7. This sounds exactly like what the angel did in Daniel. This angel is dressed in linen above the water, and he swore. That from that time or from the time that the abomination of desolation happened and sacrifices in the rebuilt temple stopped, that it would be three and a half years before the end. This sounds just like what an angel did in Daniel chapter 12. Now, when we swear, when a person swears, they swear by something or someone greater. In other words, you go in the courtroom, they give you a Bible. You put your hand on the Bible and you say, I swear. Or people will swear by God because God is greater. Now, I don't recommend it, but people swear by God. They say, I swear to God because God is higher. People will say that I swear on my mother's honor. The Jews would swear by the gold on the temple. Notice the angel doesn't swear in verse 5. He doesn't swear by himself, but by Jesus Christ, the creator of all things. So who is this angel? We don't know. That was the long and the short of it. We don't know. 
who the angel is. But what we do know, and what I find pretty fascinating, a question that I do have to answer and, and ask, actually, if this is an angel, then why does he look so much like Jesus? Did you note that? In your own time, you take Revelation chapter 10, right, and you compare it with Revelation chapter 1, and you will see that if this is an angel, then this angel looks very much like Jesus, just like him, actually, from John's description in Revelation chapter 1. So if it is an angel, then why does he look so much like Jesus Christ? Well, I think that answer is pretty simple, actually. I think it's pretty simple. You see, when you're in the presence of Christ, you begin to look like him. Amen? When you're in God's presence, you begin to look like him. When you spend time with Jesus, you know what happens? You start taking on the nature and the characteristics and the attributes of Jesus. You just start to look like Jesus. Now, Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Paul said, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being changed, note this, into the same image from what? Glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So Paul is saying, that as you spend time with Jesus Christ, when you get in his presence, you are being changed from glory to glory. Do you know every time you come to church and you worship the Lord and you hear what God has to say, when you leave out of here, you've been changed just that much more. If you're a Christian, if you're born again, if you know Jesus, you're being changed just that much more. And you fellowship and you worship. And tonight, maybe you go to college and careers Bible study. And tomorrow, you, you get with some friends in the devotion time. And you have a prayer meeting on Tuesday. And you come to Wednesday night service at 7 p.m. And Pastor Rodney's teaching Isaiah. Just a subliminal message. And you come in. And you come in. Isn't that lame? Just get a plug in anywhere, man. Get it in there. And every time you come, every time you come, Every time you get in the presence of the Lord, you begin to look like him. Exodus chapter 34, you know the story. Moses was up on Mount Sinai for 40 years or 40 days. Not 40 years, 40 days. He'd be pretty old if he's up there for 40 years. And he was up there for 40 days in the presence of the Lord. And when he came down, the Bible says that his face was shining and he was shining in glory. And there was a radiance on his face. And Aaron and the children of Israel, they saw Moses and they said, wow, look at your face, man. Why? Why? Because they recognized that Moses had been in the presence of the Lord. And get this, the Bible goes on to say, get this, that after a few days... The glow and the radiance and the shining began to fade away. And Moses put a veil over his face. And, and, and he went back up in the mountain to, to get more of the glow. Interesting. He had lost his glow. He went to get the glow back. Now, this is how it works out practically. You know, it's very simple. It's practical and true. Listen, you will become... Like that that you worship. You will become like what you worship. Where you get that from, Rodney? 
Psalm 115, verse 4 through 8. But their idols are silver and gold, made by the hands of men. They have mouths, but they cannot speak, eyes, but they can't see, ears, they can't hear, noses, they can't smell, and hands, but they cannot feel, feet, but they cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. And note this, those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. You will become like that which you worship. Why do you think people want to look like Elvis? What's up with that? It's like crazy. Why would anybody want to wear a white jumpsuit with, now if you have one of these at home, don't take it personal, all right? Well, why would anybody want to wear a white jumpsuit with rhinestones all over it and have bad hair and sideburns? Like, what's up with that? And why, why would anybody want to look like Michael Jackson? Which, you can't keep up with how Michael Jackson looks. I mean, he may look this way one year, this way another year. Who can keep up with it? Matter of fact, I was just reading it a couple of weeks ago. Get this. You probably heard this too, but it's like... People, people, and it's probably people with too much money, all right, because you can have too much money. It's possible. In that case, you should give some of it to me. But no, just kidding. Just a joke. But get this. You can buy Julia Roberts' lips. It's true. Cosmetologists and plastic surgeons, now they, you know, if you see like a, a, someone you worship and you're idol and you want, oh, her lips are just, oh, beautiful. I want those lips. You can go to a cosmetologist, go to a plastic surgeon. They can give you Julia Roberts' lips. They can give you George Clooney's eyebrows or Rodney Finch's abs. What's so funny? I'm working on it, all right? I'm working on it. But you become like that which you worship. Now, here's how it works out just simply, daily, and practically. Listen, people. If you worship God, if you pray, if you read the Bible, if you spend time in fellowship and getting to know other Christians, and you just kind of immerse yourselves in the things of God and the things of Jesus Christ, guess what's going to happen to you? Yeah, you guessed it. You're going to start looking just like him. You're going to start looking just like him. I mean, how many people have you seen and you say, you know, they got the joy of the Lord on their face. They look happy in Jesus. They look content. They, they look like, you know, they've been spending time with Jesus. How many people, your grandmother or your, your mother or, or, or your family member, how many times you looked at them and think, man, they've, they've got something that I'm missing. Why? How? Because it's not because they're special and it's something special that's given to them. But the fact is that they have probably set in their hearts and in their minds that they are going to spend time with Jesus Christ every single day. And if you do like a mirror, you will just start to look just like him. And that's what Paul said. And it really does work out practically. I mean, how many times have the night before, how many times, this happened to me a ton of times, the night before you think, tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up and I'm going to have my devotion, my prayer time. 
I'm going to start doing devotions and start praying. Tomorrow morning comes, what happens? You get up, you start doing devotion, and you start reading the Bible, and you just have this great time with just you and the Lord, and you're just reading, and then you pray, and then you go off to work. How many times have you done that and had a better day? A lot. We all have. You just have a better day. What happened? Did the people in the office get nicer? Don't count on it. But what happened is your attitude, your heart has changed toward them. So you have a better day. How many times it happened on Sunday morning? You come to church on Sunday morning. You sing some songs of worship and you listen to a sermon and you meet some nice people and you leave the church shining for the Lord. How many times has that happened? Your attitude is better. You're, you're, you're loving people more and loving Jesus more. And you're more patient with your family. And you're more patient with your friends. And you're even patient with traffic. Traffic? Yeah. Going home from church? Somebody cut you off? Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> They're yelling at you and waving at you with one finger. And you're like... Oh, they just need Jesus. Lord, just go with them. You know, you left here shining full of the Lord, having a great life. And then Monday, you're a little less bright, a little less shining. And then Tuesday, you're even less shining. And then Wednesday comes and you're on your way to church. And you've gone from less shining to just dull. And you're on your way to church. Somebody cuts you off. You jerk. What are you doing? And you, and you try to catch up with them. You ever do that? And then you get up to them. And then you go around them. And then you give them the stare. You know. And you've got your I love Jesus bumper sticker on the back of your car. It's like, look, take your I love Jesus bumper sticker off the car. You're making people's lives miserable here. But what happened? But you spend time with the Lord and your life's better and your heart's better because as you spend time with him, you start to look more like him. And so you're on the church, on your way to church. You had a bad drive on the way to church. You get in the house of the Lord. You get in the presence of the Lord. And Thursday morning, what happens? You wake up full of the joy of the Lord. Well, that's why I joke about it, but I'm really, really serious. Midweek service is so very important for the Christian. It just gets me over the hump. It almost feels like a bath almost. You know, you're out in the world, you're working, and it's, ah. You get in here on Wednesday night. Amazing love, how can it be? You, my king, would die for me, you know. And then you go out after you worship the Lord. And Thursday, and it's just better. And your life is just better. So this angel could have very well be an angel that looks like Jesus because he has been in the presence of the Lord. Would you take note with me? Notice the angel puts his feet on the ocean and on the land. We brought that point out. That tells us what? Number one, this is a really big angel. Really big. I mean, bigger than anybody you've seen at Gold's Gym. I mean, this is like a super huge, humongous angel. He puts his feet on the land and on the sea. Now, what does that speak of? If you're taking notes, it speaks of taking over. The world has been under the control of Satan 
the God of this world long enough. Here the Lord is saying, I am putting my foot down. It is over. Well, not only the appearance of the angel, but our second point this morning, the announcement of the angel. In verses four through seven, we just read it. When this angel cries out with a loud voice as if a lion roars, when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voice. Notice this angel cries out so loud, it sounds like the roar of a lion. Now, I've never been up close and personal with a lion when it roars. But I am told, matter of fact, a brother told me between services, he said, when a lion roars and you're up close and personal, it's bone chilling. And some of you know, if you've been, you know, near a lion. Now, I, I don't want to be near a lion when, it, when it's roaring and trying to eat me. But, but, but it's bone chilling. And when a lion roars as he's looking at his prey, he actually roars to startle his prey so that he can pounce on them, kind of upsets them, shakes them up, startles them, and then he pounces on them and he eats them. Notice the angel cries out so loud, it sounds like the roar of a lion. Then this should forever erase that picture of cute little angels floating around. Actually, get, get rid of that picture. Not all angels do that. Eugene Peterson, a, a noted theologian and Bible teacher, described this angel as vast, fiery, sea-striding creatures with hell in their nostrils and heaven in their eyes. Notice John hears the thunder and starts to write down what he hears, but notice John is told to stop in verse 4. Notice John didn't write it down. He was told to stop. Now, what did the voice say? What was John writing? Good question. We don't know, and we probably will never know. Because John was told not to write. Do not write them. Now, amazing enough, people never cease to amaze me. People love to speculate as to what John wrote. Why would you speculate as to what John wrote when, in fact, the Bible tells us that God said, stop writing. Write nothing. Don't write. There was this guy, believe true, this guy wrote a book, The Seven Sayings of the Seven Thunders. What's up with that? What was on the pages, the blank pages in this book? Write nothing. And what was more amazing is people actually bought a lot of copies of this book. People. Unbelievable. John was told not to write anything down. Seal up the sayings of the seven thunders and do not write them. We do not know what was written. John knows and God knows. And that's okay. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Write that down. Look it up in your own time. It says this. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us. And to our children forever. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. You know, some people are bothered and bugged because they don't understand everything in the Bible. They have questions. I was talking to a guy not long ago and I said, hey, would you like to receive Christ? Oh, well, you know, not yet. I've got some questions, he said. And when I get my questions answered, he said, then I'll be willing to give my life to Christ. I'm like, well, you will probably never become a Christian because God is under no obligation to answer your questions. 
the secret things belong to the Lord. There are a lot of things that we don't understand, and that's okay. There's a lot about God I don't understand. There's a lot about the Trinity I don't understand. The eternity I don't understand. God's plan, God's sovereignty, these things I don't understand. And quite frankly, they don't bug me, they bless me. Because it tells me that God is God. And because God is God, then, then it's impossible for me to know everything about God. It's impossible to understand all that God is doing. God is bigger than us. And we cannot figure out God. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his thoughts and his ways are past finding out. As the heavens, Isaiah said, are higher than the earth, so are my ways, God says, higher than your ways. God's just bigger than you. God's God. And don't be upset if you can't understand everything about God. You should be blessed. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.